We'll start in verse 14. Father's Day message. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. I'm going to read till the end. Father, we thank you this morning that you love us and that you've blessed us with the gift of each other. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here moving in the midst of us. Thank you for that beautiful worship service where we could connect and feel your presence. What a, what a blessing it is to feel your presence. Thank you for this place. Lord, continue to minister to us. Open up the word today. Let our hearts be ready to receive principles, to be challenged. And Father, to receive encouragement this morning. Ask all this in Jesus' name, and the church said. Amen. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from the midst and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 18, one more time. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Father's Day is an interesting day, as is Mother's Day from a preacher's perspective to come and encourage people on these topics. But Mothers and fathers are the backbone of our society. They're the building block of society. And they are vital. As much as we see trends and opinions and philosophies that would challenge that, the truth is that without a mother and father, any child is at a severe disadvantage. As I preach to you today a Father's Day message, I want to start off by just acknowledging the fact that the perception and the honor of fathers in our culture has been on a decline for decades. Can we all agree on the reality of that? It has been under assault. It has been on the decline. Uh, The popular culture constantly tries to undermine and demean the role of fathers. And if you look at it, it's not something that's brand new, although it's a different plan of attack these days. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But how fathers were esteemed in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s is a far cry from how they are esteemed now. We went from Leave it to Beaver to Al Bundy. Where dad was the stalwart of the home, he was the centerpiece, he was the strength, he served the family, and all of a sudden we've translated from that to someone who's a a bumbling, self-centered buffoon. How fathers are esteemed has declined, and how they are portrayed has declined. And if we're going to be honest this morning, much of the dishonor that has attached itself to fatherhood has no doubt been earned. I have to just get real with you this morning. The percentage of men in our society that think it's acceptable to sire children and then not father them has destroyed the imagery of what a father is to be. 
When you make babies and you don't take care of those babies, when you make babies and you don't father those babies, when you make babies and instead of being a man and a father, you continue to be a child, you undermine the role of father. It's amazing. We need licenses for everything in our over-regulated, government-controlled world. Yeah, but they don't give you a license to be a parent, do they? Any old person with the right equipment can be a parent. I'll just leave it at that. But being a parent doesn't make you a father. And having children and refusing to father them undermines the fabric of our society. So some of the dishonor attached to fatherhood is rightly deserved, and we need to work on that. We need to do better at that as men. But the pushback against fatherhood has always been there. Sometimes it's playful, it's humorous, it's tongue-in-cheek, and sometimes it's vitriolic and it's ugly. Let me just give you a snapshot of the current climate that we're in. In the news recently, an Australian activist with a doctorate degree in children's studies started a campaign to rebrand Father's Day as Special Persons Day. This is what's in the news. Let's get rid of this idea of father. Let's just make it a special person. Let's just, you know, let's get rid of this concept because, you know, from her perspective, it was detrimental to children who didn't have fathers or didn't have good images of fathers. And there's so many households who are fatherless. Let's just throw the baby out with the bathwater and rebrand it Special Persons Day. This is someone with a doctorate in children's studies. The Huffington Post in the UK recently ran a story, Three Reasons Why We Should End Father's Day. Just the title alone shows you where that article's headed. The Los Angeles Times also ran an article uh, by a European blogger. Uh, he entitled it, hashtag end Father's Day. This is a campaign that's, you know, going on. And he cites the main reason for wanting to end Father's Day was that it should be abandoned because it's a gendered holiday. Wow. How many genders are there now? I can't remember. I've lost count. But apparently all of them are bad, and especially the one that is attached to masculinity. So special person's day, three reasons we should end Father's Day, gendered holiday, it's got to go. Do you see, uh, the attack is always there. This time, you know, at this point, the gloves are off, it's in the open, people just have these negative feelings and, you know, they want to have a voice and with our media and with our, you know, our, our culture of just having access to multitudes by that phone that's in your hand, some of these things you know, seem to be bigger than they are. Now, regardless of whether these fringe ideas have gained any traction in the mainstream, we need to know that they exist. And while these views may seem laughable to us, you know, when we hear this stuff, we groan and we moan because we know better because we sing songs like Good, Good Father because we know our Father in heaven, amen? Uh, While it might seem laughable to us, may I say to you today that these philosophies and these things that I just read to you, they are no joke and we should take them seriously and be concerned about them. And here's why. Because the whole entire thrust to undermine the role of fatherhood in our society comes with a price tag. Now, the statistics that I'm about to read to you confirm the biblical truth that fathers living in the home, being fathers, raising children is a very, very beneficial thing. 
Listen to these statistics. The negative effects on children without fathers is well documented. These stats demonstrate uh, without a shadow of a doubt that it's vitally important to have a father figure in a child's life. This is statistics from the Department of Justice of the United States. 63% of all suicides are children of fatherless homes. 90% of all runaway youths are from fatherless homes. 85% of youth with behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles incarcerated are from fatherless homes. 75% of youth in rehab facilities are from fatherless homes. 75% of rapists are from fatherless homes. The more we diminish and abandon the God-ordained role of fatherhood, the more we will see our families, our communities, and our nation decline. Where there are no fathers, things unravel. So the progressives and the leftists and the communists can make up all of these ideas that get rid of fatherhood, end Father's Day, throw it all out so they can restructure society and create a one world government. Listen, we know where the end game is of that, but understand this, the role of fatherhood is vitally important. The Bible says it, the statistics back it, and no matter what anyone else says, we have to understand that the attack on fatherhood is an attack on our society, on our children, and on our future. What does our Heavenly Father think about all of this? <laughs> I wonder how our Heavenly Father feels about him being a gendered father, <laughs> a male pronoun. Do you think maybe he's considering changing his name? God still has the last word on all the relevant roles of fatherhood. And I want to cover three of them this morning. Because God has the last word on the relevance and the role of fatherhood, I want to say this. God still identifies himself as our father. That should say something, right? Now, God hasn't buckled to the pressure of culture, and neither should we. Amen. And that, that's something we need to understand. God is not going to change this because a bunch of people don't like it anymore. God's not going to change his word. Why? The reason he can't is not because he's stiff or he's, you know, he's un unflexible or he's not progressive. The reason he can't change it is because it's truth. That's right. And you can't exchange the truth for a lie. The reason he can't change it is because it's exactly the only thing that works. Amen. So how could we step away from what really works and exchange that for something else that's popular, that's based on opinion or experience that's unfounded. Understand something today. Our Heavenly Father has not buckled, he's not buckled to the pressure of our culture. He has not become a non-binary, gender-fluid, all-affirming, unconfrontational special person. That was a mouthful. Realize God could have approached his creation anyway. You know what? He created us. This is, what, this is what people who don't have a relationship with God don't understand. He is the creator. Yes. That's right. He made us. So he can define our roles. He can define what we do. He can define. He created sexuality. So he gets to define the meat and bounds of how it should function. That's right. Well, who is he to say? He's the creator. That's right. I mean, that's who he is. <laughs> so... 
being the creator, he could have approached his creation any way he wanted to. He could say, you shall call me master. He said, I will be referred to as the exalted leader. God could have said that, right? He said, you know what, I am the supreme ruler and that's how you'll address me. He could have called himself the big kahuna if he wanted to. He could have said, I'm the man and it would be totally justified. Are you following me today? But he chose to identify himself as a loving father. That's awesome this morning, amen? Of all the ways he could have identified himself to creation. He says, I'm your father. What a beautiful thing. What a personal thing. You see, if, if you use exalted ruler or the man or, you know, whatever title that he would use to lord over his creation, that would be impersonal. But the Bible says we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Wow. So beautiful. So personal today. So much different than the perception of people who don't know him. But God has identified himself as a father. He says here in our text, 2 Corinthians 6.18, I will be a father to you. He didn't say, I will lord over you. I'll rule over you. I'll be a taskmaster to you. I'll be God to you. you you'll tremble before me and revere me and, and grovel. But no, he said, I will be a father to you and you will be sons and daughters to me. What a beautiful way God has chose to reveal himself to us. He identifies himself as our father and he purposes to father us. Realize he's not a deadbeat dad to just produce spiritual offspring and then not father them. He fathers us. He puts the Holy Spirit in us to lead us and to guide us into all truth. He gives us Jesus as Savior and Lord. He speaks to us. He fights for us. He goes before us. He delivers us. He restores us. He hears us. That's our Father this morning. And that's how he identifies himself. The title of father will forever be significant. The title of father is not going anywhere because our heavenly father identifies himself as a father. Number two, because God gets the last say on fatherhood and he identifies himself as a father, number two, God still expects men to step up and be good earthly fathers. No, how much our society says we don't need you. No matter how much feminism says we don't need men, we don't need fathers, we can do it ourselves. No matter how much the world diminishes and undermines, no matter how much that percentage of men that refuse to do what a father's supposed to do undermines the idea of fatherhood, God in heaven still expects men to be good fathers. <laughs> Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. Fathers, here's what I want you to see this morning. You are called by God to be trainers. I, wa I want you to understand your role in your children's life. You are a personal trainer. Now, you might want to get a tracksuit and a headband and get a whistle. Whistle's important, isn't it? And you might want to take your role 
as a trainer, as a personal trainer, a little bit more seriously than you have. You know, it is our job as fathers to train our children. What? In the way he should go. We train them in the things of God. We train them in the things of spirituality. We train them to be good moral citizens. We train them to be men and women who have integrity. It's important. Certainly mothers play a huge role in that, but the father's role is for the father to play and no one can make up that role on his behalf. Train up a child. You're a personal trainer. It's your job to train them and, you know, and to help them identify. This is what fathers should be doing, praying for their children, to help them identify uh, goals in their life and then help them to work towards those goals. Are you praying for your children? Are you praying for your sons and daughters? Do you have spiritual insight to what God's called them to do? Do you have encouraging words for them? It's quiet. You see, I know life is busy. I'm a busy man. I know there are many demands. I know there are times where we feel completely out of gas and out of strength and even out of a, a clue of what to do. But the truth is, all we have to do is be in the game to get in there, to try, to do our best, to be present, to open our mouths and allow God to fill them. Because nobody has insight into your children like you do, Dad. God will speak to you. My father knew the things I was about to do before I did them. He would say things to me, I'm like, he's watching me. How does he know that? One time I said, how do you know that? He goes, because I did it. <laughs> you know, but a, a father can shape and a father can mold and a father can train. And think about what a trainer does. Trainer provides structure. Trainer provides, you know, uh, uh, just motivation. You get this? You, uh, children need to be motivated, amen? There's so much in our world that will just suck their potential away. Just, just the video games. I mean, we, I don't know if you know this, we have a whole generation of kids that are playing video games nonstop, and now they have headphones on, and they talk to each other in these big groups, and they don't even want to see each other in public. I'm like, invite your friends over. No, they're in my headset. Some of you don't even know this. But, but I mean, we have kids that don't go outside. They go outside, the sun hits, and they're like, ah. <laughs> what, what, what was that? When I was a kid, the door opened in the morning, Jenny kicked you out, you drank out of the hose, somebody threw you a sandwich at noontime, right? Now these kids are like, ah. It's not healthy, it's not good. We got TV training them, we got video games training them, we got you know, people in the school system training them, and I, I don't know if we're, if we're too happy about all of what's getting put in them. And we're up against all that, but we've got to train them and lead them and guide them and encourage them. That's what a personal trainer does. Come on, you can do it. Two more reps. Come on, give me two more. Come on, you, you get up and get out there and do something. Even if you make mistakes, let's get something done. Amen. <laughs> Dads, I know we're busy. I know we're busy, and I know sometimes we're running on fumes, but we've got to accept that responsibility to train our children. Here's the right balance, in case you were wondering. We should be 10% drill sergeant, because children need discipline. And moms, when dad steps up to discipline the children, don't you get in between that father and that child and coddle them, because we're raising a generation of weaklings. They're soft. Get out of his way, or Pastor Rick will pop out of the closet. 
and let him discipline that child. Now don't kill the child, men. I don't want hospital visits. But 10% drill sergeant is appropriate. And then we need to be 40% coach. Guys, okay? We need to coach our children. We need to be involved. We need to know what's going on. We need to see the direction they're going in. And we need to coach them. Sometimes we need to blow the whistle. Sometimes we need to have a timeout. Sometimes there needs to be the penalty box. <laughs> but we've got to be that coach. Do you realize how profound an impact a good coach can have on a child's life? Some people could give testimonies today. I don't remember any of my high school teachers, but my coach, my football coach, my baseball coach, right? I mean, it's just amazing. So it's 10% drill sergeant, 40% coach. Now, how many percents we got left? Who's good at math? You need to be 50% their fan. Now, some of the, I'm in charge. I don't, no rah, rah, shish, goomba for me. I'm, I'm the boss. You need to be your child's fan. You need to be excited about what they're excited about. You need to be cheering for them. You need to be involved in what they're doing. You need to come alongside them and be their greatest supporter. Amen? <laughs> well, that's some weak clapping out there. <laughs> See, this concept might not seem you know, like something you've heard of before. But listen to me, if you think back in your life, the people who impacted you the most were the people who really saw value in you and cheered for you. I mean, you think about it, just remember my dad on the sidelines out there when I'm playing baseball, just cheering for me. Why? Because as a child, you have to know they're for you. They're with you. They care about the things you care about. See, most of us dads would like to have this backwards. 50% drill sergeant. 40% eh, coach if I'm doing it in a drill sergeant mode. And 10%, yeah, you're, you're all right, kid. Right? That's the balance in the world, isn't it? Well, we've got other problems out there too, but that's the right balance. So think about that, 10%, 40%, 50%. If you apply that to your parenting, if you apply that to your role as a father, you'll be a good father and you'll make an impact that outlasts you because what you pour into your children is gonna go on ahead of you when you're gone. Number three, the third thing I wanna talk about here today and I'll close with this. God still molds the heart of fathers who seek his face. <coughs> God still molds the hearts of fathers who seek his face. See, to move from a boy to a man, to a husband, to a father, our hearts need to be changed. When I was a child, I thought as a child, and I did childish things. Come on, you know the scripture, right? But, but when I became a man, I put off childish things. That's the problem with our generation, is that that, that has not taken place, putting off childish things. And before you ladies get too excited out there, neither have you. You know, I see the, <laughs> he's a big idiot. <laughs> Look, I'm not for bashing men. And I'm not for bashing women. I'm for both of them being everything God made them to be. So we've got to stop that. We, feminism, feminism and this whole attitude of men just being players and stuff has destroyed our culture. 
Feminism acts as if women have popped out of the womb perfect. And if we can scrub a man and mold a man and manipulate a man enough that he could be good enough for the woman, then maybe we could have a happy marriage. That is ridiculous. We're all sinners. And I've been, listen, I've been doing pastoral counseling for 30 years plus, and men and women equally are messed up. So there's no perfect gender, ladies. And guys, we all know that we're messed up, right? Because everybody likes to point it out. Just responding to our culture, you know? And hearts need to be changed. Hearts need to be molded. The same thing happens with women too who have children and then they, they don't want to, you know, it's, they don't want to lay their life down to mother them. It's a hard thing to do. You ladies know when you have a baby, I mean, it just takes up all of you. Men, we have to step up and lay our lives down for our children too. It's not just mom's job. Oh, it's quiet this morning. They're like, when do I get to go to the barbecue? It's almost over. Father's hearts need to be molded. Look what Luke 1, 16 and 17 says. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to their Lord, their God. And it will, and he, let's try verse 17 again. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, talking about John the Baptist. Listen, to do what? To turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There's a lot in there. Talking about John the Baptist's mission, and he was what? He had to come into Israel and do what? Turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. So what? So that they would be disobedient and have an attitude of righteousness so that they would be ready, a ready people to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. It started with fathers there. And it's such an interesting thing. You see, what happens when God gets hold of a father's heart and he grabs a hold of it and he molds it, that heart becomes less about himself and more about his family, so his heart turns back to his children. Think about that. We have a generation of men and women who have had children but have not laid their lives down to raise those children, and even in the church. We have men who are still embracing childish things and are not laying their lives down to father their children. And everywhere we see that, we see those statistics come into play that I just read you. So hearts have to be changed. When the heart is, of a father is changed, he's concerned for his children again. When children see a father who's concerned for them, their hearts turn back to God. Did you hear what the text said? It's so powerful. It's the formula is there. If we want our children to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to love the Lord, we've got to love the Lord and we've got to love them. If we say as fathers, oh, I love Jesus, but I don't have time for you, Junior. We're provoking them to say, I don't want any part of your hypocrisy. I'm not important to you. Hearts need to be changed. Hearts need to be molded. They turn a child's heart from disobedient lifestyles and prepare them for a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. Fathers, our most important task is not to give our children wealth or even wisdom or even a leg up on life. Our most important task is to give our children Jesus. Amen? Amen. Our society is all about 
education and making money and having the big house and, and, and all of these things. And those things are okay. But, you know, without God, they're empty. The Bible says, what, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? And if we raise our children that way, get good grades, go to a good school, get a good job, make a pile of money, but we've never taught them to love Jesus, what good is all that at the end of life on the deathbed? You can't take the bank account with you. You can't take the house with you. You can't take the BMW with you. You can't take all the toys that you collected with you. But without Jesus, you're lost. So fathers, in all that we do, Let's pray and let's strive and let's coach and let's train and let's be disciplinarians uh, for the one goal of allowing our children to know Jesus Christ. Now, we can do all that and they can still choose to say no because they're created in God's image and they have a free will. So I'm not looking for anybody to beat themselves up today if right now your child doesn't want to serve God. But understand this, keep praying, keep believing, keep being an example, keep coaching, keep loving, keep being a fan. <laughs> because someday they'll come back to what they've departed from. The second half of this point here about God molds the hearts of fathers who seek him is this, the heart of the prodigal son's father was a beautiful thing. He, he had such a love for his child that rebelled and went out and squandered his inheritance. The heart of the prodigal son's father is still available to anyone who wants it today. Listen to Luke 15, 20 through 24. So he got up and came to his father, the son. Where was he? He was in a pig pen, a Jewish boy in a pig pen eating pig slop. He'd squandered his inheritance. He'd rebelled against his father. He'd, le he'd left out for riotous living. His money ran out. His friends went away. And now he's in a pig pen. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy. To be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and he has been found and they began to celebrate. That's the heart we need. Fathers, that's the heart the world needs in us that we would be full of compassion. It's so easy to be judgmental. It's so easy to say, it wasn't like this when I was growing up. It's so easy to come down hard on a generation. But it's so much better to be compassionate. Many fathers would have sat back on the porch and watched the kid slog his way to the front door. Say, oh! Look who's back. You all done, buddy? 
Guess you showed the world. But compassion is what we need. God's looking for men who will be compassionate, who will be forgiving, who will accept and restore. That's the heart that the prodigal son's father had, and it's available to each of us today if we'll allow God to mold our hearts. We live in a hurting, broken generation. Young people killing themselves at such early ages, it is staggering. We live in a generation that's broken and empty and they've tried to use every drug and every intoxicant and every pursuit and every material excess to fill the hole that only God can fill. God is looking for a few good men who will allow him to mold their hearts so that once again, the father's hearts can be returned to the children. So once again, the children can be hungry for a relationship with Christ. Fathers, today your heavenly father still identifies himself as father. So your role as father is secure. It's not going anywhere. Don't step back, step up. God still expects us to be good earthly fathers. So embrace your role as a trainer. Get yourself a tracksuit, a headband, and a whistle if that's what you need to remind you. And even if your children are grown and out of the house, you're still the coach. You can still bring discipline. You can still bring words of correction. And you can do it in love, being their greatest fan. They will respond at some point. And then if we allow our hearts to be molded into the image of our Heavenly Father, this generation will come back to the God that it's abandoned. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I thank you today for a message like this that you've given to us to provoke us to godliness. Father, I pray for each man within the sound of my voice today that has become and has been bestowed the title of Father. What an honor that is as we look at you, our Heavenly Father. And though we don't measure up in any way, we strive to be what you want us to be. So God, help us to take our role as a personal trainer seriously. Help us to allow you to mold our hearts and help us to love our children with the same love that you love us with. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.